Welcome to today's episode of the Normalized Surrogacy Podcast by Surrogacy Mentor. I'm your host, Carrie Flamer Powell, experienced gestational surrogate, surrogacy agency founder, and owner of Surrogacy Mentor, where our aim is to help surrogates match with reputable surrogacy agencies for a safe, ethical, and enjoyable surrogacy journey. Marielle Schubert, surrogate intake coordinator for Surrogacy Mentor, is not with us today, but I do have a very special guest. I am excited to have experienced gestational surrogate Samantha Guillen with us today. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. So today we're going to have another interview with an experienced surrogate. Um, We've done another episode, a couple of episodes um, with this format, and I'm excited to do it because it tends to be one of our most popular podcasts um, where we just get to talk to someone who's gone through the process once or twice maybe more than twice, three times in Marielle's case, um, and just find out, you know, all about it. So let's just sort of jump right in and let me hear a little bit about you, your family, and what brought you to surrogacy. So um, I am 32 as of yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I am a mom to two beautiful little girls. They are six and seven. And when me and my husband decided we were definitely done having our own children, having the back-to-backs was like, okay, we're done with that. Um, We wanted to look into helping families um, in an alternative way. Um, One of my biggest motivations for that was my aunt was unable to have children due to cancer and watching her go through those struggles and how it affected her life in the long term was a big motivator for me to think about surrogacy and maybe helping a family have their own children in a different way. Right. That's great. And then um, we actually met one of my husband's coworkers when he was in the Navy. She mm-hmm. had actually been a surrogate, I believe, on two separate occasions. Mm-hmm. And so I got to talk to her about it. And that was really the spark for me to want to be a surrogate because I was done having my own children at this point when it was brought back up to my attention and Mm -hmm. she had actually been using an agency that I ended up going with which was Extraordinary Conceptions Mm because she had already used them yeah Mm -hmm. so I definitely wanted to go with a company that she had already had experience with she had a good close personal relationship with them and I felt comfortable knowing that she recommended them on top of that because she had used another agency I think and she didn't like them sure yeah it's always great to get good references yeah so um a lot we've just nowadays in this when I'm in my 30s I've had a lot more experience with friends and family going through the struggles of fertility Mm -hmm. And for me, um, my husband's always said I'm a very giving person. Mm -hmm. So doing something like surrogacy really just kind of appealed to me Mm -hmm. in a really deep personal way to help people like my aunt or even one of my friends who ended up going foster to adopt because they couldn't have children. Right. Mm -hmm. So surrogacy Mm -hmm. really spoke to me on a very personal level. I love that. And so how many surrogacy journeys have you done? I have completed two and I actually am starting medicine for my third on May 23rd. Exciting. That's awesome. And so your first journey was how long ago? That one I gave birth in 2018. Okay, great. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey and 
um, you know, without obviously revealing identifying information, but, you know, what type of family did you work with or parent did you work with? And how did that experience go for you? Oh, yes, of course. So I worked with a family who lives in China. Mm -hmm. And that experience um, was really amazing because one, we were exposed to a different culture. And two, it was a different type of pregnancy for me because we ended up doing a double embryo transfer. Okay. So it was my first experience carrying twins. Mm-hmm. And it was very exciting throughout the whole process, just knowing that there was two in there and that that was going to be way different than what I've ever experienced. Right. But the family was amazing to work with. Um, we were so happy. I know that they had struggled with fertility. And um, she had ended up having a stillborn. Oh, uh-huh. So mm-hmm. that family really spoke heavily to my heart just because I couldn't imagine because I I didn't have to experience that on my side. So mm-hmm. I was very empathetic to their struggles and the desire for them to have their family finally. Sure. And so I assume it was a heterosexual couple that you worked with? Yes, it was. And did you get to meet them at any point in person? I did. I was very lucky that this first journey was before COVID hit. I was Mm -hmm. able to meet both of them. They actually were able to travel about a month before I delivered Mm -hmm. and they stayed in the same community I live in. So they were about five minutes from my house. So my mother-in-law actually hosted them for dinner and she made them tacos and Spanish rice and beans because she wanted them to kind of experience a little bit of their culture. My husband is Hispanic. Mm -hmm. So she was really, that was a big deal for her and for my children. They really loved meeting them. Yeah. And then one um, day after the babies were born, they hosted us Mm -hmm. as well at their house. And they made us all traditional food from their culture. And it was really an amazing experience for me and for my children. Yeah, that's really neat that you got to experience, each of you got to experience the different cultures and your kids got to see that experience of, you know, meeting these people from a different country and that have different ways of, you know, eating and talking and speaking of talking, was there a language barrier? There was. So Mm -hmm. they did speak, um, I believe it was Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So they actually had a little translator device that we used and we were actually able to communicate pretty well. That's good. That's great. Yeah. With all the technology available, it's kind of nice that we can, um, have that um, not be such a huge barrier. Yeah, we really didn't struggle at all. And then we used WeChat in the interim when they were in China and we would just text back and forth and it translated beautifully. So Mm -hmm. the language barrier really wasn't a big hindrance for us in any way. Mm -hmm. That's great. And so you delivered twins. Um, What were their genders? It was a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And that pregnancy, was it complicated or was it healthy? What what was it like carrying twins for the first time? Uh, well, I was rather large. I am <laughs> five one. So putting two oh, wow. little babies in me is very much like you see all baby in that stomach. Sheesh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I am petite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have any major, major complications. Um, we ended up doing a C-section at 37 weeks in like six days Mm -hmm. because my doctor wanted to deliver before the 38 week range. Mm -hmm. So she said I was technically full term for twins. Right. And um, I did have a little bit of anemia and um, I was pre-diabetic, but everything other than that was pretty much the, I guess you could say complications of the 
the journey, but I wasn't on bed rest. I didn't have to do any of that. I, Mm -hmm. I had a pretty good pregnancy for twins. I would say. That's great. And so babies were born. How long were the parents um, in America before they headed back to China? They went back on Halloween. So I gave birth in August Mm -hmm. and they stayed until the end of October. Oh, that's great. So you guys, I assume had some time with them and the babies and got to experience some of that. I did. I even, um, so the little girl was able to go home right away. Boy was in the NICU just for five days just to help his lung development. Mm -hmm. And so one of the days when they had to go, um, to the NICU, they both wanted to go together. So Mm -hmm. I got to watch the little girl for them. Oh, that's nice. And did your kids get to see the babies? They did. I have lovely memories of them together. They call them their Chinese friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's really sweet. And then what's your relationship like now with those parents and that, that family? I can message them whenever I like, and they give me updates. They send me pictures, especially on their birthdays. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of updates up until that first year because she would send me updates of, oh, crawling, eating, mm-hmm. talking. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fun. That's really neat. And so your second surrogacy, what was that like? That was pretty um, amazing, too. It was another heterosexual couple. Um, it was another family from China. Mm-hmm. And, but this time we did a singleton baby. They already had a little girl. So uh, they wanted to just um, have a second child. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to talk to them. We actually got really close with them, especially because it ended up being over COVID. I did deliver oh. in June of 2020. Gotcha. Yeah. So a lot of communication there just um, because things, it was just a lot harder. There was a lot more fear because it was right in the middle of it or well, really in the start of it. Right. So we talked on a pretty regular basis. So we got very close just in the communications. Right. And so were they able to come into the country because of COVID? Unfortunately, they weren't able to come until much later. Um, I delivered in June and uh, she wasn't able to come until about October. Wow. Okay. So this isn't something that, you know, those of us in surrogacy have had to really deal with in the past, right? On any major level. Um, But I'm sure people listening are really curious what happened to the babies during that time period. So for this family, they did get a nanny. Mm -hmm. And Nanny did pick up the baby and she did stay at a home that was a family friend of the parents. Mm -hmm. So they did get to at least have contact on a regular basis since it was a family friend who they did trust. Right. Um, And Nanny was with the baby up until mom was able to come and get her. That's good. That's, that's potentially a best case scenario, right? Where the baby's safe and well taken care of. And the parents are familiar with the people that the baby's with and people would probably listening that, you know, aren't familiar with surrogacy are probably thinking, well, why wouldn't the surrogate just take care of the baby? She delivered the baby. And I think, and you can tell me what you think about this, but having been a surrogate myself and having worked with hundreds of surrogates, um, you know, we're not in this to take care of the babies. Those aren't our children. Right. And It shouldn't automatically be expected that a surrogate would just take care of a child. Now, some do, and some are more than willing. And if 
the parents and the surrogates agree, that's wonderful. But it's not automatically assumed that the surrogate's responsibility carries over to also taking care of the child indefinitely, right? Yeah, um, that's very true. And a lot of the yeah. times um, it can be, you know, kind of problematic because then you're kind of taking liability for this child. Mm-hmm. And that could kind of complicate things if something arises while you are taking care of this child that is not necessarily yours. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of surrogates, um, they don't want contact with mm-hmm. the baby afterwards. They don't want to create that bonding. Mm-hmm. Um, for me at the time, I ended up having to have a second C-section. It was an emergency C-section mm-hmm. and we were moving into a new home right after I had delivered. So it just really wasn't something that was feasible for our family at the time. Right. Yeah. But um, I know the parents would have been more than happy to allow me to take care of the child if I had wanted to, but they didn't hold anything against me for making the decision that that wasn't our place or fit for our family at the time. Sure. And uh, again, it, it can't be said enough that this is not the norm. You know, COVID was an extraordinary world event, obviously, and it affected surrogacy in lots of crazy ways. And one of those ways was the real fact that people could not get into our country and vice versa. And so babies had to be taken care of regardless. And so, you know, as a community, we did all come together um, in surrogacy and formed these little networks of nannies and professionals and doulas and, you know, all these different night nurses and all these different people that were volunteering to help care for babies until parents could get here. Um, And surrogates, of course, were also part of that network helping out. So I think that's great that your parents found a solution that worked for everyone. But it's not not the norm, not something that would normally happen in a surrogacy. And hopefully now is uh, not something that we're dealing with nearly as much. Yeah, I'm very grateful. It was definitely a different experience Mm -hmm. and it was very eye-opening, but I will say it was pretty amazing watching a community of people come together being selfless beyond obviously surrogacy, which is generally a very selfless act, but just thinking of those babies and making sure that those came first and that they were cared for Mm -hmm. and making it work in some really tough, challenging times. Yeah, absolutely. And so this new surrogacy, um, is this also for, um, this third surrogacy, is this also for, um, international family? No, this one will be my first domestic, Mm -hmm. so I'm very excited for the difference. That's great. And so singleton again? Um, No, I think we're going to do a double embryo transfer this time. Wow, you're going for twins again. We are. This will be most likely my last journey. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, let's just go big all the way. (laughs) (laughs) End on a high note. (laughs) Well, that's exciting. And so you're just starting the medication cycle for that process. So yes, I will go for my first screening um, on May 23rd of Monday. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited. And we'll start the um, first injection, which I believe is the Lupron. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited for it. And um, I'm really super excited because this is um, one of my like, I guess your like little bucket list for surrogacy is doing it for um, a homosexual person. Mm -hmm. And I'm really thrilled that I get to end it doing it for somebody who struggles in a different way. Right. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I myself am LGBTQ. I was married to a woman for 18 years. I worked predominantly with um, LGBTQ families. And so 
uh, there's definitely a special place in my heart for um, surrogates that help out uh, members of that community in my community. So that's wonderful. I'm excited for you. Uh, yes, it's, it's, I'm probably the most excited for this journey. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. So tell me about your family. Like, how did your husband initially react to the surrogacy, your family, your friends? Were they positive? Were they negative? Did they come to understand it? Were they involved? Like, what was the scenario for you? So for my husband, it was actually pretty fairly easy with him. Um, when we got married 10 years ago, we did a premarital counseling mm-hmm. and it did talk about, you know, um, if you can't have kids, what would you guys decide? And we had talked about that, but it also talked about um, because it had been brought up, I talked about wanting to do something in the future, whether it be adoption, fostering or surrogacy. Mm-hmm. And I had said, I would like that support if, and when it comes to that time, decide which of those I want to do. And he was very supportive. Um, so it was kind of something that was always there in the back of our minds. Right. And then when we were done having our own children, I told him, you know, I'm really not quite done being pregnant. And I think this might be the time to start the surrogacy process And he looks at me and he goes, you know, that's a very you thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. He's like, you know, I wouldn't think anything less because that's just, you're very selfless and kind and that's right up your alley. That's great. So your husband was on board. Um, What about your um, immediately immediate family or circle of friends or was there anyone else that was involved or so my circle of friends, um, I have a lot. I have a huge support system around me. Um, me and my husband met working at a Target um, mm-hmm. about 13 years ago. And we have the same group of friends from when I started there when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So all of them were involved in the process in some way. Mm-hmm. And they were all thrilled for me and super supportive. I was really actually very shocked that as I went through this and met people, even just on the day to day of me go, being out and about, because I was not shy about it, I would say, yep, I'm a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any negative experiences at all. Great. I didn't have one person say that that's a horrible idea or how could you do that? It was, everybody was supportive and thought it was amazing. Sometimes it made me a little uncomfortable because I'm like, you're such an amazing person. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and well, I'm like, okay. It's probably worth mentioning you live in California, right? Yes, I do. So surrogacy is much more common in California than let's say Nebraska, right. Or South Dakota. That's true. Or maybe even some more, you know, places in the South. Um, and so probably safe to say that in, in terms of the general public, you probably have a more, some, a population in California that's more accepting and educated about surrogacy. And therefore maybe that's what some of the positivity was about was that it's just done more there and it's more commonplace there. Yeah, that is correct. I think I'm very blessed to live in an area where it's just not as much of a shocker. Right. So it's more accepted. It's more welcome. Um, I was actually, um, I used to sell clothing online in a Facebook group Mm -hmm. and this was, you know, thousands of women and these were women from all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of them loved, even if they couldn't afford to buy or shop, they loved to just be in the group to kind of go along the experience with the journeys. Mm -hmm. So I will say even there, I had a very wonderful open experience. And I think it was really wonderful because I did get to educate some women on the surrogacy process. 
So it was a different kind of platform. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, so you now work for the agency that you went through, right? Working with um, admissions, I'm guessing for, is it for surrogates? Yes, I am an admissions coordinator for Extraordinary Conceptions. I am beyond blessed that when I was done with my second journey, um, I had reached out to my coordinator who had been my surrogacy liaison through all of my journeys. Mm -hmm. And I had been expressing to her, you know, if you ever have a job working from home, I would just love to be a part of this. I am so passionate about surrogacy. I think it's just such an amazing thing and I want to help. Mm-hmm. And she remembered that. And when an opening came up in that department, she said she went straight to them, sent my name, and luckily they reached out and everything worked out well. Mm-hmm. And I can say that surrogacies has changed my life in two ways now. Right. <laughs> One way being able to bless other families and teach my girls alternative ways of creating families. Mm-hmm. And two, now I get to work in a career where I love going to work on a regular basis. I get to talk to women who want to help other families and educate them about the surrogacy process. And it's super fulfilling in a whole other way. Right. I love that. That's amazing. So great. So let's talk a little bit about um, advice that you would give to women who might be listening that are, you know, maybe considering becoming a surrogate. What's, what's something you would tell them? My biggest advice is to make sure that as you're going through this, you have a good support system at home. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very much a big deal to have support. I luckily had support in my whole family. Mm -hmm. I have two younger sisters who get excited each and every time I go through surrogacy. They, they are very, they're like, oh, you're going to be pregnant again. And I'm like, you know, this is it, your niece or nephew, right? (laughs) but they don't care. They think it's one of the most amazing things and they love it so much. And my mother-in-law and everybody around me has been super supportive. My husband, especially, because that's a big one. My spouse, he, you know, picks up the slack when I'm tired, especially with the twins. I wasn't always able to do everything I could do before. So my number one advice is having a good support system. Number two for me was um, I didn't want to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. surrogacy was daunting so it was very important that I did this through an agency Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to do the legwork I get very uncomfortable when it's dealing with like money legal Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want to kind of ruin my relationship with a set of intended parents talking about those legality parts of the journey that was just something I didn't want for myself right definitely So I I wanted to use an agency that would kind of do all of that legwork for me. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was worry about, you know, doing my medications, getting pregnant and staying healthy and delivering. Right. Absolutely. Obviously, I feel the exact same way. And that's why Surrogacy Mentor exists is to help surrogates match with reputable ethical agencies that are going to take care of the journey in a responsible and ethical way. And it sounds like your agency did a great job of that, which is wonderful. Well, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and being here with me today. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Normalized Surrogacy Podcast by Surrogacy Mentor. I'm your host, Carrie Flamer-Powell. Be sure to check us out online at surrogacymentor.com if you're interested in knowing whether surrogacy is right for you. Take our easy two-minute quiz on our website to see if you qualify. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to learn more about gestational surrogacy and how to have a safe, ethical, and enjoyable surrogacy journey. Talk to you next time.